Welcome to On the Table, a podcast about board games, card games, and tabletop war games. All right, welcome back to On the Table, episode 43. I'm really grateful that today, Mark from A Song of Ice and Fire Builder.com and Greg Young from Rebel Lightworks are going to be joining me on the podcast. I'm actually in the middle of a vacation. We flew back in tonight so I could record this episode and we're driving out tomorrow to finish the second half of it. I'm a little a little fatigued and uh, some of that might come through in the episode, but I hope you get the energy and enthusiasm that we're going for. Uh, we're hot on the heels of Gen Con and we're going to be having more information coming out about Gen Con in the event. This podcast and in the future podcast, we'll be talking with the champion of that entire event. But for now, you know, today we've got uh, Mark from... Uh, today we got Mark from On the Table... Uh, Today we got Mark from Slung of Ice and Fire Builder. Mark, thanks for coming on. Glad to be here. And you are the, you know, one of the bigger Baratheon supporters out there, I might say. Yeah, Stannis supporter. Stannis, of course. And then I thought it's only fair to have, you know, kind of chari- uh, equal representation in the news media that we have someone out here to support Renly Baratheon, which, of course, would be our very own Greg Young from Rebel Lightworks. So, Greg, welcome to the show. I mean, you could very easily say that Mark is the biggest supporter of the Baratheons. That's true. He's a very large man. Oh, wow. That's how we're starting this off. Okay. Hey, 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 hey. <laughs> Things are going to yeah. be, it's going to be, keep I it clean, s- gentlemen. Below is below the, above the belt only. And I mean, we're doing a Renly v. Stannis, and, and I put Renly first for a reason. Renly v. Stannis, like, smackdown. It's not going to be put oh pretty. Oh, my. Yeah, God. well, Greg's just lucky he's in Texas. Okay. Oh. I mean, here everything's bigger. All right. So this is going to be a uh, not fr- family friendly episode, apparently. Yeah. So please, uh, if you have small children, keep them out of the room. And uh, before we jump into that in earnest, actually, there's two events on the A Song of Ice and Fire CC.com event finder I want to talk about. Uh, the first is on Sunday, August 11th. So that's coming up. We've got the Court of Gamers summer premiere. And Greg, you're actually uh, you're hosting this, right? Yeah, I'm actually the main TO as well. That's amazing. So tell us, you know, what do people have to look forward to coming to this event? Um, So it's part of our cycle of premiere events. So my store, uh, four times a year, we do a much larger version of like your regular monthly tournament. We call it the premiere event. Uh, We give out bigger prize support, just try to do bigger, better show once a month, try to get out of town people to come drive down and whatnot. Um, So we're doing our summer events uh, this time, and we're actually going to be giving away uh, a pre-order copy of Baratheon. So you won't get it until September. But that way you can get a copy of that, as well as a bunch of other stuff. And Rebel Lightworks is kicking in a bunch of acrylic and all that, too. That sounds like it's going to be awesome. And then the other one I want to mention is coming up on August 17th. And if you haven't looked at the event, Finder and A Song of Ice and Fire CC, that is, this one will stand out. It's an afternoon with Bobby B and the boys. And they have a wonderful image of Robert Baratheon multiple times over layered. And this is going to be a tournament event at Gatekeeper Games in Berkeley, Michigan. Uh, so make sure you check out that one if you're in the area. And uh, once again, if you've got events that you want to have a shout out for, make sure you get them up on a song of ice and fire cc.com. And we'll be plugging just a few every week. And it looks like we're already starting to fill up with a lot of great ones coming up. So uh, hopefully there's a good uh, tournament scene. And if not, uh, there hopefully will be one soon nearby. All right. So then moving on, um, Gen Con. So uh, Mark, you, you got to attend Gen Con. What was the event like? Did you get to see any of song of ice and fire? What were your thoughts on things? Uh, I love Gen Con. Gen Con is a blast for me. Uh, last year, I did play in some of the tournaments. I decided not to this year just because, you know, they take a long time and there's so much to do. I did stop by. I, I met some people over uh, at the tournaments and and checked out the uh, the Baratheon starter set they had out. But 
I, I didn't focus on a song I fire as much at Gen Con. Uh, so now were you able to get your hands on a copy of the Baratheon starter set? Chase, I know, you know, I didn't. And I just, I just know you're trying to tick me off. I'm not very happy about that fact. So, well, you know, I think, I, uh, I think none of us, right. I, I mean, obviously I wasn't in attendance. I wasn't able to get one. I was going to try you and know, get you one, but they, there, go. there was no way it. I could even get one. So, but it went pretty fast. So that was kind of frustrating. You were thinking you were feeling. Yeah. I, um, I, I don't know exactly how it happened. I did hear that more than it was possible to buy more than one at a time and maybe more mm-hmm. than two and more than that. But I don't know for sure if that's the case. That's very frustrating because it was going to sell out anyway, but it was sold out by the time I got there Thursday morning. So if, if Simon were to do a similar thing like this in a future event, was there anything you might suggest that they do that you would maybe feel was a little bit more fair or less frustrating? Oh, I, I think for sure. Like, like most releases, uh, big releases like this, kind of like fantasy flight did with clone wars. It should be one per person. Um, mm-hmm. maybe it was, and maybe I just have incorrect information. I don't know for sure. Everything's just rumors, but um, that's the way I think a lot of these big releases should go. Yeah. And I could see, I think there was a lot of people that were initially pretty upset, especially I always saw this on like Facebook in the group, people either, you know, people want to show that they got their sets and people are posting pictures, sometimes like three or four sets that they purchased all at once. Um, there were rumors of someone who bought 12 and I don't know if that's actually true. Yeah. And that's um, why I, I'm, I'm trying not to say for sure those things are true, but those are right. the rumors that were heard. And, um, it's it's frustrating to jump online and see them for $300 on eBay. Right. That's, I think, what kind of hurts. Um, and there were some discussions about, you know, is this good or bad for the company? It, it certainly drives up interest. Um, but I think ultimately, as the fan base, um, you know, what's good or, or not for the company is sort of a separate issue. Like, sometimes just as a fan, it can be frustrating. Now, on the flip side, um, Jim Ludwig had commented at one point about how Simon had actually shipped these possibly at personal expense so they could actually have some to give out to fans and so that's awesome that they did that so it's like you know i don't want to look a gift horse in the mouth right it's it's awesome that they gave these out there when maybe we could have all just been waiting till uh, october uh, but it, it did seem like there was some frustration going around i think i would also be less frustrated if it was coming out in the next month or so but we're at least two months out you know right. if it was coming out soon i'd be less frustrated Makes sense. And this is going to be your main faction, right? You've been waiting oh, yeah. for these guys for a while. Oh, yeah. I've been waiting for these guys for a while. Like I said in the last podcast I was on with you guys, I'm pretty sure Baratheons are my spirit animal. They run <laughs> around with hammers. They're not very fast, but they're big. So <laughs> so if any of you ever happen to see a, a large man running around with hammers, it's probably Mark. So say hi and uh, make sure you check out a song of com. I'll bring hammers next gen. Con. <laughs> <laughs> so I'm going to hold you, know, you to that, Mark. You better bring hammers next gen. Con. Well, then you actually have to. You have to actually go to Gen Con. Same to Chase. Oh, yeah, I know. We'll have to see. Well, maybe that'll be uh, something I can wrap up and get for next year. That'd be pretty cool. Right now, I'm looking at PAX Unplugged. That's an easy one to drive down to in Philadelphia in November, but maybe Gen Con. Right now, it's kind of funny about the Brathians. It's like, it's not my main faction. It's not going to be something. I'd like to get a set to, like, make some videos and, and do, like, an unboxing or, you know, get some... Uh, some uh, battle reports in or just play it enough that I can actually like talk about it and sound like I know what I'm doing. Yeah. Uh, but I, I yeah. agree with that. It, it's really hard for me to get my, um, my mind around a faction until I start really playing some of the units. Yeah. Uh, the stats are great, but until you get it on the table, you don't 
really get a good feel for it. Right. I'm seeing some lists that people are posting now and I'm like, oh, that's so cool. But it's like, I got to test it out. But that being said, there are some people that are really good at theory crafting and putting lists together. And hopefully today we can actually maybe talk about a list or two and what people might be thinking for how they take the units. Um, so that being said, let's let's jump in and talk about some of the Baratheons. So, uh, you know, initial impressions, Greg, what do you think about the Baratheons? I mean, Baratheons smash really well. They just it seems like they do. It seems like they can also take a hit, though. Yeah, they definitely seem like they want to be the kings of uh, attrition through combat. And uh, Michael Chanel has alluded it as much in the uh, um, in the Simon Expo live stream that he did, as well as we don't think he's ever talked about Baratheons. He's always talked about the idea of that the faction kind of their identity is I want to win the game by out grinding you in combat through combat. Whereas you can look at the Lannisters with Lannister supremacy and say, I want to outgrind you in combat via morale. Yeah, right. that's that's the big difference between them. They're both they're both very tanky, but you're never going to smash someone with a sword with a group of Lannister guards. Right. Well, it's interesting, too, because it puts the onus on on the Baratheon player, right? Like they can actually be dishing out that damage with the Lannister player. If you're going to try and do a Lannister supremacy list. It's essentially putting it on your opponent to trigger that. Where you're playing kind of a reactive style there. Yeah, you, you kind of end up, you, you can kind of call it a stalemate. <laughs> right. Where they don't want to do anything to you because you're going to do more damage to them in the process. Absolutely. And I mean, I'm talking about attrition here. I mean, the Stagnites, maybe starting in with that eight-point unit. Holy crap. Hits on a three plus, seven, seven, seven. Movement speed of five, okay. Four plus armor, five plus morale, and then unwavering fury, uh, giving you those three options. When this unit attacks for each of its destroyed ranks, select one of the following bonuses. Critical blow, so rolls of six cost two hits. Sundering, defender suffers negative one to their defense save rolls. Or vicious, defender suffers negative two to their panic tests. Whoa. Now, is this, is this like going to be a go-to unit that you throw in all of your lists? So I'm at the point where the, the the test list I have put together for the first list I'm going to play, I actually have two of these in my list. Now, I don't have any attachments on them, but I am running two of them because they just feel so versatile. And they actually move a little quicker than the um, the base unit. The Wardens. Wardens, thank you. Yeah, I don't know. I mean, so the fear, Greg, maybe putting in attachments might be that it's just it's way too expensive. Or is it just, you know, you think on its own, it kind of holds muster without them. So the Stagnites, they bring a lot to the table in a very efficient package. And I've been thinking about all the attachments that they have access to. Since we only have the starter, we pretty much only have Renly and Stannis. And they just don't need the tech that Renly and Stannis are bringing. Now, I did think about Dreadfort Captains. Uh, Dreadfort Captain would probably be one of the ones I would want to try because they can give themselves vicious so they can start spreading mm -hmm. around those panic tokens from Dreadfort Captains. I personally like the Stagnite Noble with them. I know it's more expensive, but just and, and I know it's kind of um, the generic what what you'd go to with them because it's going to come with the box, I assume. But the fact that they don't lose attack dice with ranks means mm -hmm. that you don't have to worry about losing a few extra wounds. And They're going to be effective the whole way. With the Stagnite Noble having that built-in cost of uh, receiving two wounds, you can actually dig down to your own benefits faster. Kind of like how you would with Stark Fury. Yeah, that's going to be a pretty uh, experienced player maneuver, though. I, I feel like if you're a new player starting out and you throw in the Stagnite Noble, 
into your Baratheon Stagnites. It's a 10-point unit with a 4-plus armor save, and you're doing damage to yourself. You, you kind of do a foolish play. You might seem like it's a very forgiving unit because you can still be attacking at 7 dice, but you're at risk of uh, you know, losing a pretty expensive unit comparatively to other 10-point units. Yeah, well, there's also the Master Warden, which has the order that when you're attacked, uh, that when you are being attacked, your opponent doesn't get the charge or the flank or rear bonuses. And that's a really good option to think about if you want your Stagnites to sit somewhere and just hold, like as an anchor point for right. the middle of a line or on the end of a line, because then they're going to sit there. And now you're only negating those bonuses once per round because it has an order ability attached to it. But that's enough to where you're going to weather a decent storm in order to sit there for longer and allow all of the impressive Baratheon healing effects to start working on you. Yeah, but if you're getting charged in the flank or the rear twice per round, three times around, something went wrong in the first place. Yeah, um, or you have a master plan. Yeah. Right. Well, but, but I mean, is this not as good as I think it is? Because I would kill for a free folk unit that could ignore being the effects of being charged or flank or rear bonuses. Right, so you, you don't gain the effect of a charge. You don't get your rerolls then, right, on the attack. Mm -hmm. So that's that's amazing. Uh, am I am I missing something? I'm like, why wouldn't I want to put like for one point, put this in a ton of my Baratheon units because I'm probably not going to be getting the charge. I I uh, think a lot of people will not play them. I will probably play them all the time because I'm very reckless and I'm probably not the greatest tactician. Um, but I, I think uh, you're going to have a lot of people saying, well, I can maneuver around being hit in the flank or the rear, things like yeah. that. Yeah. Well, I mean, at least having your baiting unit that you put out there in front, you know, yeah. I don't know. This just seems really powerful. And I just don't know if I'm like thinking about it on paper and making it way better than it is. But, you know, gosh, it's like a built-in weekend token. Better yeah. than that. My thought on the Master Warden is whenever I find myself with a list that's one point under, I'm going to immediately grab one. But I'm not going to oh, build the list that. around one, if that makes sense. He's he's definitely an amazing filler. There's yeah. a lot of fillers that you don't feel like are going to do much, but this will do something. Yeah, and a, an easy comparison is the, uh, the Guard Captain. And the Guard Captain right. is an attachment that you build a list around. Rather, what like the Sworn Sword Captain or the Dreadfort Captain is, oh, I've got one or two po points floating around. I don't have enough to buy a named character, but I can go grab those generics that I know I can get some work around, but I don't have to devote right. the entire like point of the list around it. But I tell you what, once Targaryens drop, I feel like these are going to be super yeah. useful. Well, and also when we get Brendan Tully, the mounted commander, because oh we know he's eventually coming. We don't know when, but if he has the, the same ability to like bring you to the Outriders from off the side of the table suddenly you may bring a master warden and start playing the idea of like a refused flank. So you deploy all on bunched up on one side of the table, stick that master warden to hold your end point and say, you can't deploy those outriders anywhere to get a side or flank charge, except where a master warden is covering my butt. Yeah, that's true. And I mean, I, I think also just as a free folk player, like I really need those flank bonuses <laughs> and uh, this this could be really, really difficult to deal with. Uh, I mean, even taking, you know, harm or giving the plus attack dice when you hit them in the flank. Yeah, but if I'm not re-rolling those hits, you know, how many of those are actually going to get through? Well, especially with the Baratheons who are so tanky already. Oh, I mean, they're not crazy tanky, but they're a pretty tanky faction. Um, yeah. If, if you take that away, you're really limiting what people can do. Absolutely. 
And that's and, something uh, that's something to be said about the Baratheons in general is they seem like they're going to be really good at setting a tempo of gameplay and then saying kind of like how Lannisters do where they're going to say, we're going to play the game on my at my speed on my schedule. And there's only so much you can do about that. And I'm kind of expecting Stark players to have to have a serious mental shift to start handling that because a lot of Stark builds are very much I'm going to blitz you and disrupt that tempo and not give right. you a chance to recover. And Baratheon's just going to laugh at him. So, I mean, I don't know. The Stagnites look really good, and, and I think the, the Master Warden's going to be really useful. But, I mean, just even the basic Baratheon Wardens themselves with a, with a Master Warden, I mean, that itself is such a tanky unit. Uh, we've got... So, I mean, with uh, they only got a 4-plus movement, so they're pretty slow, but 4-plus to hit on 7, 5, 3, 3-plus three armor, 6-plus morale, and then 2 abilities... So they got Warhammer. If the defender rolls a one on any defense saves, they become weakened. And then target opening. When this unit attacks, it may expend weakened tokens from the defender as if they were vulnerable tokens. What? At at five points? Yeah, I like them. So so I'm I know you gotta compare you can't compare against factions. But yeah. like if you look at them versus the Lannister guards, they're tankier. They don't have Lannister supremacy, but they also hit harder. And they move at the same pace. I like them a lot for a five-point unit. So you're, what you're saying is you think they are um, better than the more overly costed two units of Free Folk Raiders? Uh, okay. Yeah. That's, okay. That's <laughs> a just, far yeah. comparison, though. I, I, comparison, I compare everything to Free Folk Raiders. <laughs> I mean, but the problem is Raiders have the most amazing keyword in the entire game, which is, of insignificant. course, insignificant. And you think this Baratheon Warden unit's going to die? It doesn't matter. Something in Free Folk will kill it. <laughs> I don't know, man. These guys are these guys are going to be really tough. And I mean, this is such a great unit to. Uh, so you know. Oh wait, question. Timeout. <laughs> is do we know what the contesting rules are yet? No. Shit. Okay. <laughs> so I mean, this is going to be such a tanky unit. Like you just sit this on an objective and be like, okay, like come at me. Come hit me. Yeah, but like I don't, don't care if you're an elite unit or not. Like I will wear you down. Yeah, unless you're playing the new Feast of Crows. That's true. We'll have to get to that in a second yeah. here. But uh, they are going to be really good at sitting on objectives. Um, I'm actually considering buying a third starter box because I have a list in my head running six units of them. Yeah, I I had two extra stag knights ordered before we knew they were in the starter, but I think I'd be better off getting a third starter, having yeah. the third the stag uh, stag knights, than having the extra two Baratheon wardens. Yeah, because I'm not and, allowing myself to be outdone by Mark. I had the identity and swapping yeah, it as well. But I also get a third Renly to burn. <sighs> oh, jeez! Shots fired. Look in the flames. What do you see? No Renly. That's so. Right. I mean. Uh, which I mean, the the Warhammer ability, I feel like that's really powerful. Uh, and the fact that they can get so much out of their token use, uh, even from other NCUs or ways of putting tokens on units, being able to expand that as a vulnerable token. I mean, that's super versatile. Yeah, yeah that, that's something we haven't touched on with the Baratheons. We'll get to it a lot more with um, the, the tactics cards, but they are bringing so much flexibility to the table. Like, this is just the first thing we've seen where they have several different choices on how to proceed with assets on the table. And they're also incredible at token manipulation, either getting rid of it on their own units and handing it out to their opponents as well. And you're really going to want to put tokens on them to deal with their amazing abilities. Yeah. 
So, I mean, that's so useful. And I just feel like this is a faction where uh, a skilled player has lots of tactical choices to make and will be able to really adapt to a lot of situations. I mean, they're the only real weakness I see with the Baratheons so far is their speed. And you can work around that. Unfortunately, there aren't a lot of cards or any cards that really help that. Mm-hmm. But that's that's the... Yeah, but down the line, we start to see cavalry units come out for them. Like They'll be riding hammers. That. That's true. <laughs> there we go. Horses with hammers. They're just oh. going to be hammers and catapults that they're going to ride across the battlefield. Oh, man. Those little like turtle guys from Mario that threw the hammers. We'll just have some of those. No, yeah, hammer you're, bros. You're getting it all yes, wrong. It's like Korg said in Thor Ragnarok. You're pulled around by your hammer. There we go. Oh, they're gonna. Yeah, that's their movement ability. Yeah, they spin the yeah. hammer really fast. It's gonna be like uh, Boba Fett and Legion, where they're on like a clear plastic base and they're just laying yeah. on their side with their hammer sticking out. Yes. I mean, I do think uh, it was a wasted opportunity by not having one of the tactics cards be called Hammer Time. That's a. Uh, but okay. I guess we'll just that's just a phrase you can say while playing. Oh, I'm yeah. repurposing a unit to be pulled around by their hammers now because <laughs> I, mean, I keep thinking about it. I mean, it, it sounds like we need some of our of the amazing listeners to make up some fan art of what a Baratheon heavy cavalry knight would look like riding a hammer, preferably yes. over Dragonstone. That would be amazing. So I don't know. I mean, this is the core unit of this faction. I, there were some posts initially. I remember some being like, I'm so underwhelmed with this unit. It seems overcosted. Wait, it seems what? amazing. How? To me. How overcosted? is it overcosted? Please make yeah, it four points. I'll run, hang on, math. I'll run seven of them and still have my NCUs. You know what? Greg is wrong about a lot of things, but he's right about this. Yeah. <laughs> At this point, you guys are united in your Baratheon love because we yeah. haven't got down to the, the, the split here yet. But well, none of these units uh, have loyalty, so we get to love them all. Yeah. Hopefully. God, so I'm going to be seeing these in every Baratheon army then. Well, isn't that the point of the starter box? Is that the starter box is That's full true. of units that you're supposed to bring as a foundation to the unit? See, I almost faction. feel like I feel like this is more so than other starters that unit. It's it's good. Yeah, they're great. I mean, like raiders are have a place in almost every free folk list. Guardsmen have a place in ev- almost every Lannister list. Um, Berserkers have a place in every Stark list uh nightwatch they need to stop taking so many swarm bros <laughs> what else do you need i mean uh, gren and vets and not even that sometimes so i mean i guess if if anything i mean i guess well i mean they could push out the damage i mean people say well you know are they really going to hurt stuff as much for hitting on a four plus seven dice but yeah being able to make their opponents vulnerable or just to negate negate any damage by having their opponents get to re-roll their attacks on them like making them weaken that's these guys are going to be around for a while. Like however long the battle's lasting, I wouldn't be surprised to see a unit of wardens alive at the end, especially if you put a a master warden in there. Like there's your go sit on a point unit. Oh yeah, agreed, definitely. Especially since four out of the seven generic cards give additional attacks. Yeah. <sighs> a lot. Yeah. All right, then the final the final unit we can talk about here, the Baratheon Sentinels. Now, this is a 6-point unit, hits on a 3 plus at 8 six four movement speed of six four plus armor seven plus morale and they've got double hammers because one sometimes one hammer isn't enough which gives them sundering defenders get a negative one to their defense save so at first i wasn't that impressed with this unit and now i think this might be my favorite considering that you there are lots of ways to increase damage output Mm -hmm. that eight plus attack with a hitting on a three plus that's 
that's going to do some serious work. Uh, these guys seem like they're going to be Stannis's bodyguard for me because he hands out critical blow. And so critical blow on eight dice is a sight to behold. I do it with my Stark Berserkers every game. <laughs> so I, I, I like that. I, I like putting critical blow on them. I do think uh, my thought with Stannis is keeping people from taking uh, tokens. And you can make the base unit even more tank. Yeah. Yeah. Not only do they have crazy defense, but they can't take tokens now. Mm-hmm. That's ridiculous. So I don't know. Are, are the St- Baratheon Sentinels maybe, you know, I think this is one, this is definitely one that I want to put on the table uh, because I feel like in my mind, this is going to do so much damage. Then again, you know, Armor 4 Plus is okay. It's pretty good, right? But they're not the most resilient in the faction. And this could be a unit that you're you're counting on doing a lot of work that maybe actually gets picked off. Yeah, every starter box always has a unit that is there that is waiting for something else to really make them shine. I mean, mm-hmm. the, the Halberdiers are the, the classic example of this, is, <laughs> is just in the two-player starter box. They were okay. They were a little lackluster, but it was guardsmen and guard captains that were getting all the work done. And then we got the hero box one with Tywin. And Tywin handing out Lannister Supremacy with that built-in with the Halberdiers suddenly they had the tech to make them shine and the sentinels i I need to put them on the table and see how i feel about them but i really waiting for something that's going to make them just insane and i'm not sure exactly what i want that to be yet surprise me but i do think i mean they have a clear role with the rest of these units right they are the the smashing flank unit where doubling up their sundering with a flank attack they're going to lay out a ton of hurt. So these are kind of your, your flank, you know, wide receiver sort of things. Actually, I shouldn't say wide receiver. I know nothing about sports, so <laughs> maybe that metaphor doesn't work. But they're, they're running down the flanks. Yeah, it doesn't show at all, Chase. <laughs> <laughs> all right, and, and I mean, would you, would you throw any attachments in there? I mean, is this a unit that you might consider putting in, a, uh, a Stagnite Noble or a uh, Master Warden? I, I think yeah. I'm personally more likely to use a Stagnite Noble just because they're just going to be hammering through stuff. And if they get stuck in an engagement, that'll give you that much more use out of them. Mm-hmm. I feel like that's your answer to everything. You'll be like, I just I just want to hit stuff harder. Yeah, <laughs> like, see, that's what I'm saying, man. I just want to hit stuff. I want to hit it hard and something's going to die. I mean, I mean, two attacks at, you know, eight dice or three plus the hit. That's that's pretty hurt. That That hurts a lot. And, and since they have the Sundering built in, they're going to be naturally yeah. pointed towards those higher armor targets. And those are things where weight of, of dice, so volume, is usually better than a single one single big attack. And so that Stagnite Noble giving them additional attacks is going to be huge. Yeah, and especially when you're hitting two-thirds of the time with that mm-hmm. many dice. Yeah. You know, now the question is, and I think, Greg, you were talking about this before the show, uh, is the Stagnite Noble, like, kind of redundant? I mean, I originally had that thought before we started this was i was looking at the generic tactics cards and like i said earlier three or four of them grant additional attacks but then as i've been listening to mark and his take on baratheons and this is really why you wanted to bring both of us on is we're approaching the faction in completely two different completely different ways is he's actually selling me on the idea of the attachment and there's something that he hasn't even mentioned yet which is uh, opponents being able to shut down cards um, you know, right. the Stagnite Noble can't get shut down by Interfuge, Interfuge, uh, sorry, no, Counterplot. The Stagnite counterplot, Noble, yeah. the Stagnite Noble can't get shut down by Counterplot, for example. Yeah. Well, the other thing can't, is. Can't Counterplot a hammer to the face. Yeah. <laughs> the other thing is, yeah, you have these ops in your deck, but that just means that 
almost every time you're getting attacked or a lot of times you're getting attacked, you're attacking back. You're doing something, mm-hmm. you know? Yeah. Okay. It's the same trigger as some other things, but it just means you're going to have a card for that all the time. Yeah. And the Brathian triggers are pretty awesome. They're pretty well spread out between uh, the Stark deck, which is I'm going to play a card and then do a thing or, and then balanced against the Lannister deck, which is you did a thing. I'm going to play a card. The Brathians have cards for all of those across the board. Yeah, it seems really versatile. I mean, this is a this is a really solid faction. And I feel like that's going to be the hardest thing about dealing with them is that they're, you know, they're not all-arounders in the sense that they're kind of like base level, but it just feels like they can plug a lot of their holes. And I feel like that's still like as far as defensive, like I think maybe their movement is still the biggest <laughs> issue, but like is it really an issue when you just you show up late to the party but then you just kill stuff? <laughs> or you you know you or you or you can't be killed like those are killing stuff and not being able to be killed are very useful things to have in this game the big thing that a lot of competitive players always talk about is uh ceiling and like a good example right. of that is like free folk have an incredibly high ceiling for competitive play like i personally think they're the strongest competitive army out there but that floor of theirs is about two inches below the ceiling very small <laughs> gap to play them effectively at a competitive setting the night watch is the exact opposite they have a super low f- low barrier to entry you know a player can walk up throw night watch on the table understand what they're doing within a determined amount of reason and be able to do decently well with them i think baratheons are going to be that one where they have a really low floor and a decently high ceiling because you're going to hit a point in that middle like bell curve area where analysis paralysis starts setting in when you're looking right. at all of their tactics cards and you're looking at all of their attachments and all of their unit abilities and you go wait which unit do I need to put this one condition on so I can move it to that unit, which then expends it to get me another token here, which triggers a car play. You're going to start having this like Rube Goldberg machine of effects going down. And if you can't <laughs> keep all of that on, on the same page at one time, you're going to burn out quickly. Or you can just play them like Mark and just hit things with hammers. See, and this is what Greg just explained is exactly why I play Night's Watch right now, because I don't have to be tactical. <laughs> and we're not even talking, Mark, about NCUs. So, you know, uh, Shira Errol, for example, three points, the Lady of Haystack Hall, uh, supportive Haystack Hall. Now, this is when I was spoiled on the Facebook group a while ago, but whenever Shira claims the tactics zone on the tactics board, you may remove one condition token from a friendly combat unit. Whenever she claims the wealth zone on the tactics board, you may place one condition token on one enemy combat unit. This is phenomenal. Yeah. So uh, this lets you add, add to those tactic zones when you claim them. I think the biggest thing you need to remember, yeah, the biggest thing you need to remember with this is I take a lot of three point NCUs, and while their um, abilities are good, you know, you're using it for the the space on the board. This is right. just adding to that space. It's great. And I think something um, that's really important about her um, is that she, her ability is not good. Like it's a soft ability. It's not, it's not like um, Varys's ability or Peter Baelish's ability or Sansa or some of these amazing NCUs that are, you're going to be sitting on a Varys charge waiting for Tywin uses once per game. She's going to squeak in under that level of like, I'm a threat. So you're going to be using her ability four, five, six times a game. That's right. Huge. It's 100%. Yeah, 100% useful like all the time. And I think you mentioned analysis paralysis. Like I, I love it because it, there's still room to make meaningful choices with her. But I, I'm not like missing my moment because I'm waiting to be like, oh, no, wait, I got to wait for the right, the perfect moment. And like, oh, I'll save it for that. 
It's like, nope, yeah. like I can jump in and, and make this work all the time. And uh, yeah, I don't know. I think this is phenomenal. Oh, yeah. She's amazing. I have to admit, I definitely had to look her up. <laughs> I was Who like, is wait. she? Yeah, I you was and, like, what? You and 95% of people. It's the, at least 99. Uh, you know, so the, thank, thank you to a search of iceandfire.com, which is like a search engine just for searching for things in the book. Uh, so if you haven't checked that out, please do. But yeah, <laughs> she's going to be famous. Uh, so, and then, I mean, and then Alistair Florent, uh, another really, really amazing uh, NCU. And I think at four points, I think kind of priced correctly here in that it's, it is a four point effect, I believe, because holy crap, he, as a, he gets two order tokens. And after he claims a tactic zone, after resolving the zone's effect, you may remove an order token from him to move him to an empty tactic zone or switch zones with an NCU already on the tactics board. That's the first time we've seen anything like that. Yeah. That, <laughs> that's powerful. Yeah. I'm going to start a movement to name him um, Alistair Florent, Sir Analysis Paralysis. <laughs> Oh, yeah. He's going to be a brain burner on when do I use him? When do I threaten to use him? Because I, I love the mental game of my of this. Ferris is a great example of this. My opponent is activating the NCU and I just reach over and I just put a finger on the order token on Varus and I look at that right. and just go, you sure you want to do that? Because I have a Varus charge. <laughs> you sure you ask yourself, punk, do you feel lucky? Exactly. And, and just, the mental game you can do with that is, is kind of dickish, but it's also kind of fun. See, and you don't even have to play a real complicated mental game with this. Like this, I mean, I mean, you can obviously, but the fact that God, I, I can hear my kid crying and I'm freaking out. Um, so the the fact that you can just take control of any or not any zone, but the two zones you want, which would be crown and tactics, is huge. Right. Well, and yeah, absolutely. I also see him as a soft nerf to Night's Watch. Because the big thing with Night's Watch is they're really strong on the recursion abilities sitting on that bag zone. Okay, so just don't let them sit on the bag zone this turn. Yeah, take like, them off. And, and there's a very large thing to be said about game development. And we could we have an entire other show talking about just this, which is when the developers look at a game, they don't look at what's currently released. They look at what they're working on for the next like year. And everything is balanced kind of inside that year as a whole. And we as the players are only six months in. So maybe yeah, and we just haven't seen the balancing factor of Nightwatch yet. Well, and that's the thing. Like, people will look at these units and attachments and cards and things in a vacuum. But so far, everything's been balanced pretty good. I have a lot of trust in what the developers do. You oh, know, yeah. I was I was talking earlier about, you know, I, I don't like the certain things around in certain ways. But the developers have done everything. Uh, it's It's been great. I really think it's really well balanced. And I see, you know, Alistair Florent, this unit... This is going to be one of those ones that are playing against a really experienced player is going to be very difficult. Um, you know, especially when you're playing a slightly more obvious uh, game plan where it's like, oh, I know in these rounds, the the knights, uh, the the free folk really need to do this so that they can bring in, you know, a new unit with endless horde, or they need to have this so that they can activate this key Stark uh, countercharge ability. And this is the this is their big play, you know, uh, moment. So I'm just going to make it so that's not not the situation in this round. I mean, that's going to be really really challenging. 
yeah, he's he's going to be a lot of fun. I'm looking forward to putting him on the table. And then, I mean, then we get down to really, you know, we got through the basic NCUs, we got the basic units, and then we get down to everyone's favorite Baratheon, Joffrey. Oh, no, sorry. Uh, uh, we get Renly and Stannis here. Now, now, how do we want to uh, figure out who, who do we talk about first here? Uh, well, Renly? Stannis is, is the age, obvious choice. Is it age before beauty, or how does that? It's the rightful king before the punk. The so, so Renly, Renly, then, rightful king. Uh, I don't I, know. It says rightful heir on the card here. And what is uh what is Renly saying? Oh, <laughs> oh he's says, charismatic. Oh. Uh Renly says I do have perfection say, incarnate. Oh. So I do have to say I started a poll on the Song of uh, on the on the table gaming Facebook page about who do people support, Stannis or Renly? And the official uh, King Stannis Baratheon like Facebook page shared it and like totally skewed everything. So it's like three hundred and seventy to like forty eight. So Wait, is it, it the uh, is it the rightful king page or whatever? Is that thing? Yeah, amazing? yeah. I, I mean, is, like, is, is this when and Mark admits that he's actually the admin and moderator of that page and set and, it up? Maybe and... is that is that the case? I tried to like ping. I like tried to ping the Renly official group, but the, the the official like Renly page on Facebook doesn't have as many followers. So. Well, I mean, yeah, that, that's because <laughs> we're busy actually ruling the kingdom and not just moping there over Dragonstone. There we go. Uh, but all right, let's 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 jump in. We'll, let's talk about Stannis here. Uh, we'll do age before beauty. You know, I don't know. What do you think of Stannis? Is this? Are you still? You know, when you saw his stats, Mark, were you like, yes, this is going to support the kind of play I want to make? Yeah. Uh, the, so uh, I, I can genuinely say, in you know, all joking around aside, I, I really do think he supports the kind of play that I do more than Renly does. Um, the fact that he's going to make everything hit harder with critical blow and he's going to make everything real tanky by making all those condition tokens not matter. It's uh, he's, he's gotta be one of the better commander attachments just as, as the actual attachment goes, you know, I'm, I'm looking at it in a vacuum there because I'm not talking about the taxes cards, but as just the attachment goes, he has to be one of the better ones. He's I mean, solid. He's such a good attachment. I agree with that completely. I, even though I'm declared, solely for house tyrell i mean renly um i'll have to put him on the table and push him around he just seems like way too much fun but never getting condition tokens I mean, you hit on that before holy crap that's that's i mean like it, with the units they have like that's ridiculous that's gonna be so good it makes it it makes a unit be on the table that you just don't want to fight you're just never yeah. gonna want to fight them oh god hopefully they'll be on like their slowest unit so they won't get into much combat but we'll we'll see <laughs> And I mean, so, it, it, so you know, we didn't say the top, but like Stannis Baratheon, the rightful heir, has critical blow. The unit gets, uh, you know, rolls of six cost two hits. It's loyal to Stannis Baratheon if, when loyalties come into play. And then this unit may never gain condition tokens. That's so powerful. Now, the question I had about loyalty, um, you can never include units or attachments to different loyalties. This isn't something where if you put him in a unit, it gains loyalty Stannis Baratheon, right? That is correct. Yeah. He, okay. Well, I Man, mean, I don't know. Go ahead. No, go ahead. Uh, so, okay. So you can't like drop him in, in other units to give them that, that component. Uh, now, I mean, what about some of the tactics cards he has here? So for example, he's got Will of the One True King. When you claim the, when you claim the crown zone on the tactics board, replace the zone's effect with one enemy combat unit becomes panicked one enemy combat unit becomes vulnerable. One enemy combat unit becomes weakened. Yeah, that's actually my favorite of his tactics cards. Um, it kind of reminds you of Tywin a little bit. 
just yeah. throws all that out at once. I mean, it's, there's your oh, winds of winter victory, uh, you know, card condition. Yeah. But it's also a lot better than that because Tywin's big drawback is that he only targets one unit at a time. That's true. Yeah, Stannis can hit those. two or three units wherever you need them. He's just, again, hitting back on that point, versatility. Versa- this is such a versatile faction. I mean, yeah, that's terrifying. <laughs> uh, and it's in addition to, I mean, the trigger is just when you claim the crown zone. So you're replacing that of a zone's effect. But I mean, arguably, I think this is going to be, yeah, I'll cut all that out. <laughs> all right. So Oath of Duty is his other card. When a friendly combat unit is destroyed, attach this card to a friendly combat unit until the end of the game. While attached, this unit never suffers, suffers penalties to morale and may never become panicked. If this is Stannis Baratheon's unit, their attack also rolls plus two attack dice. So if it's his unit, additional attack dice, never suffers penalty to morale, and can't have condition tokens? I mean, what? that's great and all, but Baratheons don't die, so it doesn't matter. <laughs> yeah, this card has me significantly conflicted because I want to put it on another unit because it's already disallowing panic uh, condition tokens, but I also want two more attack dice. Like, especially since he has critical yeah. blow. And so two attack dice with critical blow can be substantial. Yeah, absolutely. Now, which unit of yours are you going to, you know, I guess we'll, hopefully we'll see some sort of cheaper, like conscripty sort of unit that you could have die early on and be like, great, now I get my uh, trigger. Um, Other, I like otherwise, this, this might not come into play to like five or six, uh, turn five or around five or six. I really like this card for the wardens because they are rocking that seven plus morale. And so never yeah. getting penalties and can't become panicked really helps mitigate that, that high morale. I'll just Absolutely. throw in some some cutthroats to be a cruise missile, do some damage, <laughs> die, and then there we go. I, mean, the card. I don't know. I think that might be something. Then he's got tactical approach. Start of the round, attach this card to a friendly combat unit until the end of the game. While attached, whenever this unit makes an attack, after defense dice are rolled, it may expend one condition token from the defender to deal an additional D3 wounds. If this is Stannis Baratheon's unit, it deals three wounds instead of rolling. Yeah, I, they've got a few ways to convert tokens with the Wardens and with this and with throwing out all those tokens with the other Stannis tactics card. It's great. I mean, absolutely phenomenal. So you were thinking about putting him in the Wardens there? I was thinking that just because they were so tanky already and the forcing them not to take any tokens would make them really hard to kill. I know you're putting them in a really cheap unit, but it's they can hit hard and they can hit even harder. Plus, they're going to be almost impossible to kill. Yeah, that, that makes sense. All right, so on the other side, Stannis looks like a monster, right? He's going to be sticking it out in the battlefield, um, you know, so hopefully he's just not showing up to battle, like, starving and gets, like, killed and, and defeated without much of a fight and then his head chopped off or something, allegedly, I don't know. Uh, so hopefully <laughs> he'll do better um, than perhaps he did in the, in the show, which, of course, the game is not based on, so there's a chance to rectify that. Going forward. I mean, but in um, the books, he's already, you know, sat there starving for years. So that's true. That's true. Yeah, exactly. Um, he's got the fire. So what about Renly? Oh, on the other side, Renly. You mean the uh, the Tyrell, right? Yes. Renly Tyrell. Yeah. Oh, yeah. I mean, OK, I'll freely admit I'm not playing Renly for Renly. I'm playing Renly for the Tyrells. <laughs> I actually pledge for Lady Olena. <laughs> Hey, that I, that that's maybe I should have put that as the the poll. Stannis or Lady Olena? I think I might have gotten more more votes there. I mean, 
considering that Marjorie also pledges for Olena, yeah, you definitely would have because Marjorie can play <laughs> the game. So Renly Baratheon, we got the charismatic heir. He's got the ability boldness and courage. When this unit makes a melee attack, it's always treated as having one additional rank. If it already has full ranks, it rolls plus two attack dice. He's also got emboldened. While within short range of this unit, other friendly units gain plus one to morale test rolls. And of course, loyalty, Renly Baratheon. Greg, you're kind of our, our Renly champion here. Maybe I'll just give you some floor time here to talk about it. Mark, sorry, we're going to put you off the side for a moment. Um, all right, what do you think? Boldness and courage. That's a really interesting ability. I mean, we've already seen it with Jamie Lannister. Um, mm -hmm. His command, I, I haven't checked if they're identical, but they seem to be functioning almost the exact same. And I actually prefer it in Baratheons rather than Lannisters because we don't die as quickly and we already hit pretty hard. Um, all of our units are are hitting harder than like guardsmen or things like that. And so getting the additional rank is actually pretty beneficial. Um, and if you're stagnites going to nine dice with critical blow and sundering, well, that would, it would be seven dice still, but yeah, you can do a lot with Rentley. Um, and Bolden is just kind of handy. Um, the big thing within Bolden that I think you've seen playing Mance in free folk is it's hard to rely on the short range, but it's really handy for the unit he's attached to. Right. Yeah, I think that's going to be so situational. I mean, and that's like kind of maybe getting off on a side topic here, but seeing how this faction plays on scenarios like Game of Thrones, or maybe it spreads out a little bit more over five zones. Um, I wonder how much that'll come to play. But in certain circumstances, guys are clumped together. That's going to be huge. You just have to make sure that you can set up that board state. No, uh, but I think definitely. In, yeah, and Bolden, I think you know, and and, and I think right now with morale. It, it it's amazing in that it's going to be basically giving you, you know, uh, a chance to, it's basically going to be ensuring that you suffer one less wound on your morale rolls. I, I essentially have a, a weirwood tree on a unit tray that can move. Yeah. But the best thing is you can also have a weirwood tree. And you can't, and those abilities do stack, or I can take corpse pile or I can take palisades. It, just, it, it kind of opens up my terrain possibilities a little more, which is handy to have in your back pocket. And then, I mean, then his abilities, some of these are amazing. Wealth and Charisma, Tactics Board. Uh, sorry, his Tactics cards, some of these are amazing. Wealth and Charisma, when you claim a zone on the Tactics Board, replace that zone's effect with choose one. Restore D3 plus one wounds across any number of friendly combat units or remove three condition tokens total from any number of friendly combat units. Yeah, Whoa. so... I've I've long time thought that with commanders, you, they kind of fall on a spectrum. And on, on one end of the spectrum, you have amazing attachment abilities, like Jon Snow and his bond with Ghost, or like Stannis, for example. And then on the other end of the spectrum completely, you have the attachment abilities are lackluster, but the cards are absolutely incredible. And Renly is definitely sitting a little more on that end of the spectrum. His attachments, it's it's okay, kind of situational, but all of his tactics cards are just bonkers. And this one is great because you can either help yourself if you're going, if you're lagging behind a little bit with the heal, or you can get farther ahead by removing condition tokens from your own units. Absolutely. And I mean, and younger, bolder, and far more comely. The uh, other tactics card, when a friendly combat unit makes a morale test, this one's insane. I love it. Uh, when a friendly combat unit makes a morale test, the unit gains plus one to their morale test roll. Well, that's pretty good. Uh, but plus one or plus two? Oh, sorry. The unit gains plus two to their morale test roll. If they are within long range of Renly Baratheon's unit and pass this test, they restore up to one wound 
for each point they pass by to a maximum of four. And with things like embolden on the field, I mean, you're basically just playing a tactics card. Oh, I have to take a morale test. I just gained four wounds. Oh, yeah. That's going to be real big with Baratheons, especially with, I mean, if you're targeting yeah. his, if you're targeting his unit, that's a rank right there, which means right. you're probably gaining two dice, not only from his ability, but all of the Baratheon units we've seen so far all lose dice in chunks of two. So by gaining right. four wounds back, you're gaining two dice. Oh my God. Yeah. And, and in fact, it's just when you make a morale test. So there's a lot of times when that might happen. It's not a panic test. It's any morale test. And uh, you could do it, you know, on the opponent's activation and then on your turn, activate and heal on the tactics board. And you've got a unit that was on the verge of being crippled back to, you know, a very hardy strength. And they're naturally pretty resilient. So they're probably going to be, you know, making a pretty good comeback there. Yeah, that's a great usage for sticking Renly in a unit of wounds. Um, one thing that I have to massively applaud the developers on is Stannis and Renly both fit into any of the Baratheon units in the starter box. And that's not always right. the case with the starter box heroes. These guys just, I have lists with every, with them in every single unit combination. And it's, it's, it's amazing to have that happen. And I think that's where, you know, I'm, I really do need to get them actually on the table and play them a bit because I feel like I'm going to have to get a better feel of what these units actually are capable of and uh, run them through their paces before I can really, con you know, con um, confidently say something like, Oh, you got to put Stannis in the, the sentinels or you got to put stannis or renly in the wardens yeah i'm really just, you know. i'm really liking and appreciating the lack of any super obvious auto includes or auto in or auto takes right has greg realized how bad renly is yet <laughs> i mean no we have the, the best opposite. card for last sir Okay. And then the last card, they will make me king. When Renly Baratheon's unit activates, choose one. Restore up to two wounds to Renly's unit and up to one wound to all friendly units within long range of Renly's unit. Or deal two wounds to all enemies engaged with Renly's unit and one wound to all other enemies within long range of Renly's unit. So, you know, take that, dire wolves or giants or whatever. This is so good. Oh, yeah, especially if you just need one more figure back to finish out a rank. It's just, oh, gosh, yeah. And I mean, he's like a little like paladin aura bubble here or something. Yeah, I, I think it's well, long range is longer than you think. I was going to say sometimes it, it looks a little situational, but if you set Randley in the center of the table, he's taking half the table. Yeah. I th this is another one of those cards where against an experienced player, I can predict I will have a moment where I'm just like, Wait, two wounds to all enemies, like, and one wound to all these units in long range, like, where it's going to just turn the tide of the battle. Uh, like you said, getting that one rank down on maybe multiple units or, or wounded states or finishing off, you know, uh, already weakened units trying to get away or, or solos or giants. Just, just another great card. And Brathians also have a whole bunch of really solid generic cards. And the generic tactics cards are a really good way to look at a faction and kind of take reasonable assumptions on what that faction wants to do and what they've been designed around. And the Brathians have lots and lots of hammer smashy. I see a lot of free attacks, which is which is fun. All right, let's do, let's do the real count here. Okay, so we have free attack on last stand, free charge on counter charge. We have three. Uh, Free attack on Arzus of the Fury. Yeah, uh, 
Yep. Yeah. Three of them. Yeah. Okay. That's like almost half. Three out of four are free yeah. attacks in some way, shape, or form. On top of that, you throw in a, a stag knight noble. Yeah, noble, and that's another one. Oh yeah. I mean, it's. Just, I really hope you like smashing things because it's the Baratheon way. I I do like smashing things. Oh yeah. The Hulk any, is my favorite other- Avenger. <laughs> any standouts in the tactics deck that you're like this is this is going to be a really fun card to play i just feel like for me i'm not going to enjoy playing against something as simple as last stand when a friendly combat unit is destroyed that unit may make one free melee attack using its highest attack die value before being removed if you control the crown the defender also becomes vulnerable that day when i finally claw down a baratheon unit with my raiders or through just you know overwhelming them and then having to be like, oh, yeah, you know, your cave savages came in and finished me off. Before the unit dies, let me just obliterate them and attack back. So, that's, go ahead, Drake. That's going to be a great one for Stannis because he also has his own card that's going to be doing some, uh, some additional effects that also wants him to stand on the crown zone. So he's already right. going to be incentivized to be making those types of plays. I could super easily see Stannis sending that unit of, um, of uh, cutthroats in to go be that suicide unit and he's going to do all kinds of shenanigans when they die tactically. Yeah. So <laughs> I have two cards that really stand out to me. Uh, the two that the one that I think is going to be most useful for me is ours is the fury, which is when you get attacked in melee, you can make a free melee attack mm-hmm. against the attacker. That's awesome. That is so fun. Um, so I'm, I'm very excited for that. Now, the one that I think is most interesting is stag's wit. Being able to take all your condition tokens and drop them on the person you're engaged with just is just crazy. It's really situational, but it's crazy. Uh, Stag's Wit is the card that I'm sitting on for my opponent to go, hmm, it's that time. We're going to go ahead and tie win this unit of Stag Knights and just like remove yeah. them from the game. Right. Oh, I'll activate them next and play Stag's Wit on them and be like, ha, ha, ha. Nice try, Tywin. You there's gonna be some yourself. Really, <laughs> there's going to be really some, some really sad Mansprader ncu players when they're like finally you've got all these attack these tokens on you mance is in full effect and you're like nah we're good oh yeah and my my standout card has to be baratheon conviction which is start of the round target one friendly infantry unit and attach this card to them discard it when they fail a morale test while this card is attached if you control if you control the crown zone this unit only suffers one wound from failed panic tests regardless of abilities or role and if you control the tactic zone, this unit's defense saves rolls block rolls of six block two hits. Critical hit defense saves. <laughs> yes, critical defense. This is going to be amazing. For, okay, starting on round one, if I have my opening hand, let's just go ahead and put this on that unit of stag knights that Renly is sitting in. And then just kind of march them forward and go, okay, I have a four morale getting a plus one. Uh, five up morale with getting a plus one from Renly. I'm not going to fail defense save for a long time. And I'm just going to enjoy these benefits for most of the game. It's going to be, it's a whole new world we're coming into here. Now we do also have a new scenario that got dropped today. Uh, it's a feast for crows. And we're going to go through that just briefly. Now you're going to have for setup corpse piles may not be selected as terrain places, pieces by players. If terrain is being randomly selected, the corpse piles results should be re-rolled. You place two objective tokens at short range from each flank table edge along the center line of the battlefield. And then you're going to place a corpse pile under each token. If there are less than four corpse piles already in play, each time a combat unit is destroyed, 
before removing its tray, its owner places one corpse pile anywhere completely within long range and at least one inch away from any other terrain piece or unit's tray. They then place one objective token in the center of the corpse pile. This is going to be a really different take on this game mode. And if any unit ends its move with any part of its tray on an objective token, it claims it. And you place that on the unit's tray to show it's claimed, etc. Uh, if a unit controlling an objective ends an activation not touching its linked corpse pile, it drops the token. If a friendly unit holding an objective token fails a panic test or is destroyed, one enemy unit, one enemy unit uh, that's touching the linked corpse pile claims a token. So essentially in this new mode, uh, you're going to be fighting over these corpse piles, and then as the units die, those become the, the, the new... Uh, hot spots of the fight over. That's where you're going to get your objective token from. I probably could explain that in a better way, but <laughs> what's what are your guys' take on that? It's the, a lot. I mean, like it's a lot to take in. I've been thinking about this for most of the day now, and I just now rereading it, I discovered something new that I hadn't noticed earlier. Um, normally on Feast of Crows, we're all very used to the idea of dropping the corpse pile under the dead unit's tray. We don't do right. that in this new one because before you remove its tray, the owner places a corpse pile anywhere completely within long range and at least one inch from any other terrain piece or unit tray. So you can't even like park it under your unit, which means since the owner's placing it, you're going to slingshot that bad boy behind your unit probably towards your own deployment zone. So you can dog right. pile onto that one as fast as you can. But what's interesting is that then that puts you at a disadvantage because you're having to cross through that with your other units or be affected by its negative one penalty where maybe your opponent isn't. Oh, yeah. It definitely makes it more interesting. You, you're not avoiding those corpse piles anymore. You you need them. So. And what's I really, don't know. This is going to be a fun one. Go ahead. What's also really interesting is the initial two corpse piles that are deployed. On the, on the infographic, they're laid out um, like horizontally, but you don't have to do it that way. You can turn them and twist them and... The um the uh the objective goes on the center of as well, which is really interesting. There's a lot of interesting tactical play that you can kind of get into on how you set up those initial profiles. Yeah, I'm looking forward to doing a deep dive on this once I get a little bit more games in on it. Uh right now, uh looking at people trying to break the game, trying to break that game mode. I'll give a shout out to Carl the Peacekeeper Kirsten. Um he was saying, okay, so is this a great scenario to have insignificant or zero-point units, you run them up, they get killed, you drop your points back by the rest of your army, and you're kind of in a, in a good spot. I don't know if that's actually a valid tactic, but it's going to be kind of fun trying to experiment and play this out. You're trying to stack your uh, tokens on your side of the board. I mean, dire wolves are going to be king in this, like they have been for most of Feast of Crows. That's true. But yeah, we'll do, a, we'll do some test games, and we'll take a look at this. But if you haven't seen this new game mode out there, be sure to check it out. Uh, in the meantime, we'll start to wrap things up. Uh, thank you guys so much for coming on. And uh, I look forward. I hope you guys get sets of the Baratheon starter set soon so we can all be playing some games. And special shout out to our Patreon supporters, especially thanks to Sonny Smith, our Patreon producer. And in the meantime, I hope you guys get your miniatures on the table.